0: What's going on, and welcome to another Quarantine TV edition of Real Fans, Real Talk, in conjunction with the Sanchez Show. Oh man, goddamn, we got a whole lot going on, championship weekend is in the past, we getting ready for the Super Bowl in LA, got some basketball news, and uh my main man, Rafael Nadal, boy, he done, he done broke some records, but uh we gonna get into all that in a minute. Let me introduce my co-host, my brother, the one and only legend in two games, Eric Sanchez. What's up, man?
1: What's really good, bro? I, I know we got a lot to get into.
0: Man, we had a stunner yesterday
1: in Championship Weekend. Uh, we gotta get some baseball talk too, and obviously some NBA.
0: It's a lot mm-hmm. going on, man. A lot going on. I'm,
1: I'm super excited. Let's get it going, man.
0: Let's just, let's just jump right into it. Championship Weekend. Uh, we it was one for one. You know, one and one. So we this, this weekend. We picked one game right. We picked one game wrong. But we let's let's start with the game that we picked wrong. Which was which was uh, was a stunner for a lot of people out there. Uh, that Bengals Kansas City Chiefs game. Uh, Kansas City came out the gate smoking, and I thought that was going to be you know it was going to be a long night for the Bengals, but they managed to come back and upset. Us, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' brother and his fiance. Everybody was upset.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, no more TikToks. The season has ended for for Jackson Mahomes as well.
0: It's over. The season is over for that. But, uh, Eric, talk to me. What went wrong? Why didn't I pick on this one go through?
1: Well, because the Chiefs choked. That's the short answer on that. Um, Anytime you're up 18 points at home... um, Obviously, right before half, when they're up 11, they have an opportunity to push it back up to 18. You got to execute. And to me, the most disappointing thing about this, um, aside from us not getting the pick right, because obviously we love to make sure our picks are right. But it went completely opposite of what we thought would normally happen in this game in that. It was Mahomes and the Chiefs who seemed rattled, who seemed like they were unsure of what they were supposed to be doing. And the young Joe Burrow and the young Bengals, who in their first opportunity in the AFC Championship game, were cool under pressure. Um, you know, they get down 18 points early. No worry, we're going to stick to our game. They kept running the ball with Joe Mixon. They hit a, a screen pass to Samaje Piran. They get it to 21-10. And as you mentioned, up until that point, the Chiefs had not been stopped offensively. The Chiefs had scored on every possession, up to that point, the Chiefs go right down the field, an opportunity to score again right before half. And when they didn't, you could kind of see the body language of the Bengals like, OK, we're, we're in good shape. We, we weathered the storm. They are up 21-10, but it could have been worse. And... From that moment on, it just seemed like the Chiefs, for whatever reason, they forgot everything they were doing offensively before then. They couldn't get first downs, Mahomes was getting sacked. For whatever reason, they stopped running the ball, which I thought they were having success with, with McKinnon and Clyde Edward hilaire And on the flip side, the Bengals started creating turnovers, the Bengals started getting sacks, the Bengals' offense started, started getting going, and you could feel the shift within the building. But for me, it, it is a choke more on the Chiefs because you're the veteran team, there's your fourth AFC Championship, you had an opportunity to put your foot on their neck. Again, up 21-10, they try to get greedy. If they take the field goal and go up 24-10 going into half, the Chiefs are getting the ball back again. And at that opportunity, I think you can deliver the knockout blow to the Bengals that they never delivered throughout the game.
0: Yeah, plus, again, you know, that changes the whole uh, course of the second half. If you if you go up at, at that point, that you take the field goal, so, you know, I don't know if that's Andy Reid's decision, Who? who Whose call that was, but I mean, listen. They make that. They make that conversion. We sitting up here having this different discussion completely. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, you know. You didn't get it. So now you don't even get those three guaranteed points that you would have had, which would have changed the trajectory of the game moving forward because now you're talking about an even bigger deficit for the Bengals to come back from and like you said, they were going to get the get the get the ball back again um, in the second half. So, I'm I'm disappointed, man. Um now I don't know, does this mean is it time for Andy Reid to step down and uh and maybe, you know, I guy, the enemy, it's time for him to take over?
1: Well, I, I did say earlier this season when the Chiefs got onto a really rough start, I thought that Andy Reid might be transitioning out. Um, it just seemed to be some sort of disconnect with Andy Reid and the offense at that time. They figured it out. I still think Eric B. Enemy is probably in line to take over whenever Andy Reid does decide to walk away. So I don't know if it'll be this year. I don't know if it'll be next year. Um, but to your point... You know i think we need to know whose call that was to go for it down there as opposed to not taking the three points um ultimately it, it comes back to haunt them because they end up going to overtime whereas if they had taken the three there there is no need for overtime they, they win it in regulation the other thing that um was embarrassing to me to watch was they get down to the 10 yard line with two minutes to go and what should have been a, at the very least a chip shot field goal somehow turns into like a 45-yarder because Mahomes takes two terrible sacks when all you had to do, like I said, at the, at the very least is just maintain where you're at on the field and, and this becomes a chip shot. So those are the things to me that, if I'm the Chiefs, those are the things that when we look at the film, it's like, we gotta correct that, we gotta be better there because we lose a game in overtime by three and we had two possessions inside the 10 yard line to end each half, one ending the first half and one ending the game. And somehow we only got three points out of that. We're supposed to be this prolific offense there's no way that not only did we only get the three points there, the two games against Cincinnati this year, and there's one of the other things you and I highlighted that we thought would be different in this matchup. The first matchup, they only scored three points in the second half. The second matchup, for some reason, only scored three points again. So I don't know if that's Andy Reid kind of losing the pulse of the game and not sticking with what works. I don't know if that's Eric the enemy maybe getting a little too cute with the play call and then saying, look, we're just going to put it in Patrick Hentons. Or well, I don't know if that's Patrick Mahomes just not making the adjustments on the field. But something there, I think, does need to change a little bit. And and to your point, I don't know if it'll be this year, but I do think Eric Enemy at some point does take over that job uh, from Andy Reid.
0: And, you know, I think, you know, sometimes what happens with the Chiefs is they get complacent because Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey ninety percent of the time can do no wrong. So I think, you know, sometimes they put a little bit too much on on that and, you know, maybe make a decision that probably should not have been made because it's like, well, you know, even if we don't get this get this here, whatever, you know, we don't get these three points, we got Patrick Mahomes. We're gonna come right back down and, and and do it again. And we saw them come right back down and do it again last week, you know, against Buffalo. So it's not you know it's not with the, you know without any type of merit or anything, but you know some sometimes you know you got to make the hard decision and, and say listen, I know you know I know this seven will be nice, it's fly, put that up on the board, but we might need to just take these take these three because you know anything's possible and it ain't no this ain't the NBA playoffs. You lose that game and it's, it's over. You are you going home until next year, you know so. You know, I do think the Chiefs will be back, um, right back in, in in the thick of things uh, next season. Obviously, they're still gonna have to tweak a, a few things, but you know, the team I, I still believe is, is is still young enough to to still you know continue to to, to dominate um, the way they have the past couple of years. Um, and then on the other side of that, congratulations to Joe Burrow. Congratulations to Jamar Chase, who had a horrible first half, turned it up in the second half. You know, and, and the rest of those guys, you know, big shout out to the Bengals defense because it was really that game literally flipped upside down in the second half. What we saw in the first half, it was the exact opposite in the second half. And, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, big shout out to him. You know, last season I had him in fantasy and he was cooking for me up until the injury. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him to see him come back this season and to bring this Cincinnati Bengals team, who, you know, coming into this season, I don't think anybody was really on the Bengals going to the Super Bowl bandwagon unless you're actually from Cincinnati, you know, or, you know, maybe if if, uh, if you were an LSU guy and you, you know, you were a fan of, uh, of Joe Burrow and, J- and Jamar Chase in college, maybe. But outside of that, I didn't see anybody going into this season and saying, you know, the Bengals gonna be in the Super Bowl this year, you know, but they, they beat the odds. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, that whole that that offense, the defense, everybody stepped up. Shout out to the coaching staff. They will be playing in L.A. in the Super Bowl in two weeks against the Los Angeles Rams, uh, the team that we did pick and, and did get that one right. Shout out shout out to the Rams for making us look good at least on one of the picks. Because I didn't want to have to go back on to the live. And shout out to, to, to Will. I didn't want to have to go back onto the live this this uh Friday and be 0 for two. <laughs> so I needed I needed the dub from at least one of those teams. Cause that's after the Chiefs lost, I was like, damn, I know Will gonna be waiting for us. <laughs> like, yeah, so <laughs> like, Will
1: Will and I we were, we were chatting back and forth uh like during the second half of the game. And shout out to Will, man, because he actually predicted the score. He said 27 24 uh, was yes. his prediction. He got it. He hit it right on the head. Um, but you're right. I, I didn't want to, I'm be honest, I, I didn't want to keep engaging the conversation until at Eat. least the Rams won. Then it was like, ah, right, we split. We, we split. I don't, yeah. I don't, I ain't got to hear nothing about no predictions because we split. We, we even yeah. there. Uh, yes. But no, the, you know, kudos to the Rams, man. Um, I, the Rams are, again, it's always ironic when, when you look back at how the season plays out because obviously as every week we get together trip, you know, we, we're projecting on what we think is going to happen but until this starts to get closer, you don't know who could be in the Super Bowl and, yeah. you know, to think that back in like week seven, week eight, you and I both said Matthew Stafford is going to have to be the key to this team getting to the Super Bowl
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I, I got to give him a ton of credit, man because for a guy who had no playoff victory before this season, The plays that he made the last two weeks to get them to the Super Bowl, he earned this spot. He proved that he is an elite quarterback in this league. No matter how you felt about him before, you got to give credit where credit is due. They needed the big throw last week against Tampa. He makes that to get them to win. They were down 10, and it was looking spooky for the Rams for a second there. It looked like, man, maybe the Niners might start to run away with this thing. He took the Rams right down the field, gets the score. You know, he had he almost threw a bad pick there, but then he capitalized on on San Fran's mistake of not intercepting the pass and and let him down again for the win. So I gotta give him his credit, man, for a guy who had never been in this predicament, never never been successful in playoff atmosphere mm-hmm. to win the three games to get them to the Super Bowl, um, knocking off Tom Brady and then knocking off the Niners team that had a six-game winning streak against the Rams, a Niners team that. I mean, was as hot as can be because the Niners just beat the Rams in Week 18, then went to Dallas and won, then went to Green Bay and won, and you're looking at that Niners team up 10 points late in the third, and it's like, man, this—I wonder, can the Rams do it? Like, uh, they gonna lose to them again? So it was looking—it was
0: looking very spooky there for a second. It was, and the whole and the whole time, I'm just gritting my teeth, thinking, damn have to go back on this live and tuck tail <laughs> but uh yeah man uh we caught we called Matthew Stafford out and he was up to the, to the task uh he has been amazing I mean outside of the one pick uh in, in this game he's been amazing this entire playoffs and he has not been going up against the Jaguars defense or, or, or you know or, or the Raiders defense or you know at the bottom half the Giants defense. You, know, you, can, you can throw any of these bottom half-tier defenses up in there. He's been going up against the top defenses in football. And, and, and back-to-back weeks, by the way, because obviously the Rams is probably the best defense in the league. But, you know, when you're talking about the Buccaneers, you're talking about uh, the 49ers, those are two top defenses as well that he's, he's, he's running through. Um, I don't think, you know, you mentioned this is his first playoff victories in his career. He came in, changed the tone because they went to Super Bowl a couple of years ago with Jared Goff. It didn't work out that well. Now you have a really good quarterback that you put on a great team, and he's showing improvement every week, back to back to back. He's showing improving. and because of of that, see I'm, I don't and I don't want because I'm because I'm giving. Matthew Stafford, all of this praise. I don't want to take away from the defense and, and, and what they've done throughout this playoff run as well, but that's expected of the defense. They've been here before. And when you're talking about the best player possibly in football, but definitely the best defensive player in Aaron Donald, when you talk about an all time great linebacker in Vaughn Miller, and when you talk about arguably the best cornerback in football right now and Jalen Ramsey, that's expected of those guys. So, yeah, you know, kudos to them. I give them their praises as well. But they don't win these games if Matthew Stafford does not come to play football. And he has come to play football in every round of this playoffs. And because of that, we are now going to see, for the first time ever, back-to-back home Super Bowl games. Unheard of. Yeah. when the bucks did it it was I think it was years yeah was the, the, 40 40 something like that some
1: some wild number it was it was, it was a technicality because at the time that the original team who had done it uh they weren't they were playing in their home state but not their actual uh stadium okay so the, the Bucks were the first team to actually play in their stadium the Rams becoming the second team and as you mentioned we get the first time ever back to back um but to your point, and you're right, this defense, this is what we expected of this defense, no matter what. Um, you know, people may forget, but the Rams were obviously in the Super Bowl four years ago. The Rams were maybe a play or two from being able to beat the Patriots a couple years ago. You know, they lose that game 16-6, not by any fault of the defense, it's just they couldn't get any offense going against the Patriots. Um, last year, the Rams were in the playoffs. They dominated the Seahawks in the first round with their defense. Right. They played with their backup quarterback and won that game purely because of their defense. They went to Green Bay. Their defense played well, but Jared Goff couldn't get anything done. And that's why Sean McVay had to make the move, because Sean McVay is looking at an all time great defense, similar to those Ravens of the late 90s, early 2000s, where it's like this defense is going to keep us in every game. They're going to give us an opportunity to win. And we need a quarterback who can just make a few plays. Matthew Stafford is making those plays. And that's the biggest difference between this Rams team this year and the Rams team last year. Because there haven't been much changes on offense. Obviously, they added Odell. But Odell is really just playing a Robert Woods spot right now. You know what I'm saying? The complimentary receiver to Cooper Cup. So, everything else is still in play. The biggest difference is now you have a quarterback who can make those throws. You know, you look at the touchdowns that he's throwing to Cooper Cup. he's putting them over the defense. Them ain't, like, wide open receivers just running around. That's like, oh, I beat the coverage with not only the route, but with the pass. You know, and then yeah. you look at the numbers they're putting up. Shout out to Odell Beckham, man. I, I got to shout him out, too. Because... We wondered, you know, what was going to happen after Cleveland? He was going going to be on a third different team. You know, did he still have the same fire that we saw early on? And he shined, and and he's come to play. He's another guy who had never had playoff success. And when you look at the numbers he's put up now for this team, this is what makes them a a legitimate threat to now win it all. Obviously, they're in the Super Bowl, but we know about Cooper Cup. We know he's going to get his catches. And to your point, to show you how good this Ram offense is, this is the same Niners defense that shut down Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams last week.
0: Yeah.
1: They couldn't shut down Cooper Cup and, and, and OBJ and Stafford this week. You know what over I'm saying? 100
0: 100 yards. 100 plus right. yard. Both
1: over 100 yards. They lose their tight end because Higby goes out early in this game. Cam Akers never really got going, and yet they still found a way to get both receivers over 100 yards. The Ram team, I, I think they're special, man. I think we're looking at something really special in terms of talent in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. I, you know, you, you got to love it. And you know, for somebody who, <coughs> excuse me, been a supporter of of Odell from you know from his Giants days, you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to see Odell go. I get it, you know what I mean. But who wouldn't want to have an Odell Beckham Jr. on their team, right? But whatever, you know, he goes over to the Browns and did horribly, um, you know, to where Odell gets the bulk of the blame. It's all on Odell. And and again, not saying it's not, you know, you know, without any type of merit, because Odell, you know, does seem to find himself in situations. We've talked about some of his past indiscretions. However, on the football field though, it's a little bit different. So, you know what I mean? Those those indiscretions were stuff that was going on off the football field, I had nothing to do with football, the issues that he was having, you know what I mean. So now we have this situation where they all right, we get the split from the Browns. And the, the, the same way, uh, you know, I, I said that uh, that Chiefs-Bengals uh, game flipped upside down. That thing flipped right up on upside down, and we, you know, and we saw just how good Odell Beckham Jr. still is. You know what I mean? A lot of people was writing him off. Oh, you know, this is good. He's about to switch. Everybody has something to say. Odell Beckham Jr. has balled out from the day he got to Los Angeles to play with the Rams. He has been doing what we have come to know and love Odell Beckham Jr. for. And he had an amazing game. Again, 100 plus yards receiving this past game against one of the best defenses in football. We both just sat up here two weeks ago. Spoke about how uh, Fred Warner and, 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 and Nick Bosa are two of the best defensive players in football. You know what I mean? So you you got you got to commend these these guys and, and what they did. I'm so happy for Odell Beckham Jr. He deserves this because you know he, he fought through the BS, he fought everything that people were throwing at him, the media, fans. Getting that Odell, 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 no nah, man, cause, cause you know, uh, Baker's is Baker. Baker was the one; he was doing everything right. Odell's doing everything wrong. Well, guess what? Baker been 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 at home filming them commercials for the past couple of weeks. At Odell home with Baker Mayfield. At home with exactly. <laughs> at home still, with Baker. Odell's Mayfield. still out. He's, still, he's yeah. still playing, right? He's still playing. Yeah. He's he's got still, one more game. I believe he's still, he's still playing. Yes. In two weeks, he'll be playing again in Los Angeles for the team that he left you know Baker 4.
1: there's there's a there's a stat um in the in the group chat shout out to the uh, for the love of the game where in Odell's what eight games with the Rams he has more touchdowns, more receiving yards, uh more catches than he had in his last 18 games with the Browns that's crazy take it for what it's worth and i will say this too because I, I agree with what you said. I've been critical of Odell because of the things off the field. And I've always questioned if he's a guy who's truly committed to, to being a winner or if he's a guy who just likes the fact that he has limelight because he's such a talented football player. I don't know him personally, so this is my assumption, Trip. I think what happened in Cleveland was wake-up call for him. And I think there was a certain level of growth that needed to happen with, with OBJ I want to point to a play that took place in yesterday's game. Jimmy Ward. It was a dirty hit. Jimmy Ward hits him helmet to helmet. Mm-hmm. I think the old Odell would have reacted differently. And you saw it yesterday. Odell th- just kind of put his hands up like, yo, what are we doing? Whereas yeah. this ain't the Odell who was kicking the nets and throwing his helmet in New York. I, Like I said, I don't know him personally. This is my own assumption, though. Leaving Cleveland and, and everything that took place there, I think he realized, like, look, it's 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 now do a die time either i'm gonna transition into the player that i that everyone expects me to be right or i'm gonna continue to be this guy who's a little bit more diva who's pouting a little bit too much and who isn't fully focused on what it takes to be a winning player not a good player because no one's ever questioned how good of a player he was the questions always were could he be a winning player could he be a guy that would elevate your team i think we saw that yesterday because Without his contributions, the Rams may not win. And again, he I thought he handled that situation perfectly. That was a bad hit by Jimmy Ward. And most guys would have flipped out. Like, why are you talking to my head on, when you see me dive into the ground? And he handled it like, nah, I'm good.
0: You know, I just want to know what you're thinking. But I'm, I'm straight. We good. Let's keep playing. It's maturity, man. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's just maturity. And I think he, he finally gets it because you know when you're when you're made to be the scapegoat when you're made to be the bad guy all the time you know that that gets old after a while you want and you want to change that narrative one and then two Odell's up for, for a new contract this year after after this year so I would say right now he's in he's in a good space to uh, to get a nice lucrative contract next season whether it be back with the Rams That I I can't say because I don't know how the cap situation is looking. And I'm sure Odell is going to command a nice size check. Um, And then, you know, and especially if they if they win a Super Bowl, you know what I mean? Yesterday's price is not today's price. I
1: I think it's a great I mean like you said we gotta see what the numbers look like we're getting ahead of ourselves but I would like to see him stay with the Rams I think it's a good fit I think the way McVay coaches that team you could tell he he is a players coach those guys love playing for him he knows how to handle the stars I would like to see him stay there plus I know Odell you know he's getting his family started he got a baby on the way with his girlfriend so yeah stay out there in Hollywood man keep getting that money and keep playing for for a good team
0: exactly and shout out to Will but I told you it was gonna be 1-6 and after this game and it's we one did to say that. So we 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 good. <laughs> Will got his and then we got ours. He we did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get back on the live though, man. i, I be having too much fun uh on, on those on those Friday night live, man. But um really quick uh while we on on the, the 49ers and the Rams, Jimmy G, uh he was speaking after the game like he understands this is his tenure with the 49ers is up. Uh you mentioned maybe possibly Tennessee, because obviously, you know, Tannehill's not getting the job done over there. Honestly, for me, they both kind of go the same plane. I don't think either one of them is going to go there and do much of a difference, but there are a lot of quarterback vacancies, uh, you know, right now. So, where do you think Jimmy G ends up? Man, uh, if he leaves. San
1: Francisco. I could see Tennessee. Mike Vrabel, the connection to New England. Um, I, I could see him going there. Uh, and, and I'm just thinking quickly off the top of my head, maybe maybe New Orleans, depending on what they do with Jameis, if they bring Jameis back. But I think he's going to stay. And and the reason I think he's going to stay is the 49ers are in a, in a tough spot cap-wise. They don't have a first-round pick this year, so they, they'll be in a tough predicament to try to entice Aaron Rodgers uh, to get traded there. Or, you know, they I don't think they'll be in the sweepstakes for Deshaun. Um, so maybe they bring it back with Jimmy with the thought being, you're the short-term QB until Trey is ready, Trey Lance is ready. But I don't, I, honestly, I don't know because it's, on one hand, I don't think he played well. He he didn't play well. We We can't ignore that. But the other thing we can't ignore is, I mean, the guy is a winner and, you know, he led them to a Super Bowl a few years ago and maybe one or two pass plays away from possibly beating Kansas City. He led them to an NFC Championship game and maybe they were one or two first downs away from being able to win yesterday. You know, if if they find just enough offense in the fourth, they probably win that game. So it's tough for me to say that they would just move on from him. They would have to know without a doubt that Trey Lance is ready because this team, the way it's currently built, we can't forget, Elijah Mitchell is their number four running back. They didn't have all their running backs. They didn't have all their cornerbacks. You know, they dealt with a lot of injuries this year. If they're fully healthy, Trey Lance has to be ready to lead this team deep into the playoffs. If not, I think you run it back at least one more season with Jimmy G and see if you can, uh, you know, if things break your way.
0: Now, question, because I had, you know, you know, there's, there's a guy in uh, Green Bay that this team sent home. Uh... <laughs> a week and a half ago do you think they make a push for Aaron Rodgers because if you still feel like Trey Lance isn't ready to go might not be bad to have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback for the next 2-3 years
1: so I think they're going to make a push um, and Aaron Rodgers obviously being from the Bay Area is, of course is going to be uh, intrigued by going home but they don't have a first round pick this year and that's where it gets tricky if I'm the Packers, I'm not giving up Aaron Rodgers just for the sake of giving him up. Like it's gotta be something worth it. More, more importantly, I'm definitely not giving up to the Niners who have had our number in the playoffs the last few years and then watch Aaron Rodgers go to the Super Bowl now with Sam Fran, like I'm, it's just, I'm not doing that. So it gets tricky. I will mention a name and, and this idea kind of came to me earlier today because I know we're gonna get into it we, and we might as well bring it up now. Tom Brady. He went out now today and said, I have not made a decision. He said, it's day by day and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do moving forward. What if Tom Brady watched that game yesterday and said, you know what? Let me go home to San Francisco. Let me end it off there. Because, I mean, let look- What's stopping if Tom would if, if Tom were to say I want to play one more year, but I want I want to be in a situation that best suits me to win a Super Bowl. I think San Fran, because of what they already have on their rosters, is in, a, in a better position going into next year. That's I'm not saying they're a better team than Tampa, but going into next year, Tampa may lose Godwin and Mike Evans, along with a potential Bronx retirement. Yeah. Right. So we already saw what this team looked like when they were decimated by injury. Brady might look at that roster and say, look, it's still a good team, but they're not good enough to go to the Super Bowl. But I can go to San Fran with Kittle, with Debo, with that O-line and that running game Brand and with league. that defense
0: and be right back in the, in the Super Bowl. You know what? That's 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 really a shoot. So get Gronk retired, he might be able to get Gronk to go to San Fran with him. Gronk, Gronk might ice up real quick and be like, I, I, I got I got a couple of games with me. I hey. think I can do it. Me yeah, and Kim and the Kittle. That's a hell of a, a two tight end co- uh, combination right there. So you know what? That, that actually is on the table. Um and too, I don't know whoever dropped that uh, you know, that little tidbit saying that Tom Brady was retired, but there was a whole debacle uh with that with that with that announcement that didn't come from Tom Brady himself or from anyone on his team. It was just a report. I saw it pop up on my phone and immediately I was like, damn, we ain't gonna have no more. Brady is it just feels weird to say we're going to go into a season without Tom Brady. Now the reports are saying that he has not made a decision as of yet. And you know what? Eric, maybe he is mulling those decisions over because, you know, the the 49ers was actually one of the locations that, you know, was talked about as far as Tom going over there before he made the decision to go to Tampa Bay. And, you know, yeah, you're, you're right again because you know that there ain't too much cap space left in Tampa. You know we were shocked last year to see that they was able to finagle the system, right. they, bring all of those guys back that they brought back. But last year Godwin's contract wasn't up. You know what I mean? So well,
1: they were able to franchise Godwin, and then they pretty much brought everybody back on one-year deals. Um, there's there's a young guy I can't think of his name, but there's a young guy who has close ties to. Uh, to Tom, and he tweeted out, you know, that he had not heard anything about Tom's retirement. And then I I heard something that was kind of funny today, where there are a couple media outlets who saying that Tom kind of pull one over on Adam Schefter because he's always held a grudge against Adam Schefter because of the way he covered the flake gate.
0: So Mm
1: -hmm. people were saying that, not to say that Tom isn't retiring, he may still but nothing is official because we know Bruce Aarons already said Tom hasn't told us that. No one within the Bucs is saying he's told us that. And so there were some people who were saying maybe Tom leaked this purposely to Adam Schefter to kind of give make him look like a fool because now everyone else who knows Tom is saying that's not the case. He's not retiring. So, you know, now Tom, Tom may get us in the next couple days and say, you know what, I sat down with my wife and my kids and and decided to to retire, you know, and 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 have his opportunity. But see Tom doing that too. I could see Tom doing that. But I could also see Tom looking at his childhood team, the 49ers, and saying, man, they they pretty good, man. And I could go over there and Listen, at least give
0: it a go for one more. We just saw literally a change at quarterback, and now the Rams are in the Super Bowl. I'd say, you know, even at 45, Tom Brady's still an upgrade. You know, it wasn't like, you know, they lost this game, but Tom Brady didn't look bad. I, I never once said, you know what, it's over for Tom Brady. He needed to retire. Never said that. Tom Brady looked all right. Obviously, you know, you lose an all pro right tackle right before, you know, a, 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 a divisional playoff game. That's tough, and, and especially when you're already down 2 all pro receivers. You know what I mean? So it wasn't a, a situation where, you know, I was like, yo, man, this is, I don't, I don't like seeing Tom Brady like this. He I was like, the actually, League of Passing. Exactly. I was shocked that when the report came out that, like, even though I know Tom Brady's about to be 45, it still caught me off guard and shocked me when I saw the report saying he retired, just because he did not look like somebody who didn't need to be in the league anymore. Like, Brett Favre, them last, like, you know, year or so, it was like, all right, Brett, go do some more Wrangler commercials and stop what you're doing right now, because you, you, you know, you're going to mess the whole legacy up with this. Not the same thing with, with Tom Brady. I remember all them years Max Kellerman kept talking about this clip that Brady was supposedly, you know, falling off of. Still hasn't happened. And he didn't look like he like he fell off that cliff during that, that, that divisional uh, loss to the Rams. So there's nothing that in me that would say, nah, Tom don't need to come back. Now next season, if he, if he does wind up staying and he starts looking bad and it's like, alright, now it's time. You know, alright, whatever. But just if I'm just basing this off of the totality of last season and how he looked in the divisional playoff game versus the Rams, no. I would still say you can get another year or two at a time.
1: Well, they, there was a big difference, huge difference between what Brady looked like this year and what Ben Roethlisberger looked like this year. So, Exactly. So, right, Ben, we knew Ben was retiring for the last six weeks of the season. For Tom, and you and I spoke about this before the division round, and I said, I, you know, I didn't I didn't know. I didn't think it would be, you know, maybe if, if Lethwich moved on and he said, I don't want to start over with a different offensive coordinator. But in terms of performance, you're 1000% correct. I don't. There's no one who could point to his performance and say, oh, he needs to step away. That wouldn't be the reason. It would only be because of his age. Because of his family, his kids are getting older, and maybe he feels like I'm missing out on too much of my kids growing up. But other than that, I mean, if Tom wants to play, no one can argue that he would still be productive next year. Would he lead the league in passing? Maybe, maybe not. But I still
0: would expect him to be productive and be one of the top twelve, top fifteen quarterbacks. Yeah. Now, that's not. Let me be clear, though. that's don't mean I say Tom Brady can just go to any team, and do it, and do his thing now. He, he does, he at this age, he still need to go to a team right. that got some weapons out there, got a solid, you know, the solid to strong defense. And you know, the 49ers are one of those teams. So I will say, I will say that. But if this was Tom Brady's last run, man, you couldn't ask for a better career than, 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 than Tom Brady has had. You got you gotta put some respect on that man's name he is the goat and for the foreseeable future and the, and the unforeseeable future he gonna still be the goat because it's gonna take a long time for anybody to put together a resume close to, to Patrick uh, excuse me to Tom Brady um, so you know shout out to Tom Brady hopefully within the next couple of days we will uh, will have some type of closure uh, on this situation. Um now you brought up uh the offensive coordinator out in Tampa, guy that we both like, um, and Byron Leftwich He was up for the Jaguars head coaching job. Looked like he had the head coaching job in the bag. Then he tried to flex a power move on him. Now it's looking like they're, they're they're doing interviews with other head coaching opportunities. Eric, we've spoke about the Rooney rule plenty of times. We spoke, we've spoken about the lack of minority coaches, GMs, executives in the NFL. We also spoke uh, with Will about how we were both okay with Byron Lef, which is flexing that power and saying, if you want me, I'm going to bring Adrian Wilson with me to, to GM this thing. Okay, where, where does... Right on left would you go from here? Is it completely over with the Jaguars? Do you think? What, what what are we doing here with this situation?
1: I don't think it's completely over. I think both teams are trying both sides, I should say, are kind of flexing their power. Uh the Jaguars don't want to look too desperate and have to give it to everything Byron wants, and vice versa. Byron, I think, is doing the right thing as, as we highlighted on the live on Friday. You know, you want me, uh, to use your phrase, I'm the catch. You know what I'm saying? So do whatever you do everything in your power to make sure I'm happy. Um I hope they do work it out. In terms of the Rooney rule, though, and, and I feel like I, we've mentioned this before, the Rooney rule really isn't going to be truly effective until we see more minorities as presidents and GMs. Not necessarily owners. It, obviously, we want more black ownership, right? We want that. But majority of these teams leave the hiring up to the president and the GM. And just like any other business, this is a business of relationships. When you have enough relationships, you're going to get calls. You're going to get at interviews. You look at Brian Daybo getting a job with the Giants, right? It's no coincidence that the new Giant GM was the assistant GM in Buffalo and worked hand in hand with Brian Daybo. So when it was time to interview, it was like, oh, let me call my man Brian up. He'll fit the he'll fit the gig. Right. So that's where we need more minorities. And and that's where I would like to see the numbers start to trend upward. Uh, Kudos to the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. They both hired uh, black GMs uh, for the first time, I believe, in their franchise history. I know for the Bears is the first time in their franchise history. I think Minnesota as well. So that's where we need to see it more. And therefore, I think from there to trickle down and you'll start to see more black head coaches coordinators, and, and guys put in position of power. But for... for most places. Right, everything else will fall into place. Um, but to get back on Byron Leftwich, I think he's still the perfect man for the job. If I'm the Jaguars, don't overthink this. Don't try to get too cute. If, if you're the ownership group there, you realize you have, you know, some good pieces, but obviously the jewel of all that is your quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And who better to guide your young quarterback than an offensive coordinator who has a Super Bowl ring, an offensive coordinator who worked with Tom Brady, an offensive coordinator who also had Jameis Winston lead the league in passing and touchdowns as well. So, and who played the game. So he's going to understand it on a, on a, on a greater level. Uh, Will highlighted a story on the live of Byron Leftwich being a true players coach where the guys all loved him and rallied around him. So if you're the Jaguars, don't overthink this thing. Bring them in, make it work. If it's about money, you can figure that out on the back end of the deal. But on the, in the short term, let's get you in the building, let's get going, and let's move forward.
0: Okay. Now, yeah, listen, I agree. I, I agree. I hope they do get the job done. I um, hope they, hope they, you know, them listening to us on the live last week don't affect them, cause they he might have heard about that story and be like, nah, we don't need you out here trying to get bonuses. <laughs> everybody on the
1: squad. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! You trying to get everybody
0: some money? You trying <laughs> to get everybody some money in here? Hopefully they skipped over that part of the uh, 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 of the of the live, and uh, they, they'll still bring bring Byron Leftwich in. since time. Um, we've had this season, there have been nine, uh, coaching vacancies this season. Four of them are already filled. None of them are minority, uh, candidates. We got five left. We got the saints left. We got the Jaguars, the Vikings, the dolphins, and the Texans. we are going to see. I'm going to hold it. I ain't, I ain't going to rest the judgment until we see. Now, it was looking like we would have had one Leftwich going to the Jags, but now I'm not 100% sure on that one. And I do get the power flex where, you know what? Yeah, we don't, like you said, we don't want to look desperate. We're going to have a couple of more guys come in. But honestly, who are you going to have come in right now that has a better resume, a better coaching resume than Byron Leftwich? Only, only, yeah, got he hasn't been a head coach yet, but. Majority of the guys you're going to bring in for interviews haven't been head coaches yet, as well.
1: No, that's a fact. The only guy whose resume is stronger, and this is because he was an assistant for a much longer period than uh, Byron Leftwich, would be Brian Flores, who
0: also a couple, minority, so.
1: Yes, also also minority head coach. But uh Brian Flores, who was an, a longtime assistant and worked his way up through the Patriot organization, I believe he has three Super Bowl rings as an assistant. So yeah. he's the only one whose resume would be more decorated than Byron Leftwich. But to Leftwich's credit, you know he had a very solid pro career as well. So you add in his pro career with now his work as an assistant and he's tailor made to lead your franchise. I, in my personal
0: opinion, anyway, and playing his pro career was, was, was him playing the same position as your newest franchise quarterback. You just drafted a year ago for the same franchise too. Exactly. So it just, it just makes perfect sense. Um, Again, I'm not, you know, and I would I wanted to go in this week, but I'm not going to rest the judgment because there are five vacancies left over. Um, I would say out of those five jobs left, I'll probably say the Saints gig is probably the the best one of those because you know they still have a pretty pretty strong team, a team that can get right back to the playoffs. Um, Jameis actually was looking all right before he got hurt last season. He'll be back um or oh, this I'm sure they'll re sign him again uh this season. Michael Thomas, you know, missed the year with an injury. He'll be back this coming season. I don't know if he if he winds up staying in, in New Orleans, but who knows? Now we're talking about a situation um, where Sean Payton has stepped away from the team. A lot of the issues that Michael Thomas was having with Sean Payton and the back and forth that they were having. And so who knows? Maybe now that he's not there, maybe Michael Thomas says, you know what? I like being in New Orleans. You know what I mean? I don't have to deal with, with with this particular coach. Let me see what's up. You know what I mean? So I'd probably say that's the best situation. Um, you know what I mean? But Vikings are borderline playoff team. The Dolphins are a borderline playoff team. So who knows? But again, I'm not going to rush to judgment. I'm going to let the rest of these coaching hires fill out. Um, I know the Jaguars were actually... They wanted to look at the Rams' offensive coordinator, um, but they they would have been trying to interview him uh, today. But the Rams, you know, they they took care of business and they won. So that's actually going to have to wait. But you know, we'll we'll see. But I just man, we somebody somebody got to got to got to bring somebody up in there that got a little melanin.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the, the tough part is the good assistant coaches and coordinators they play deep into the playoffs. And, and that's kind of worked against the enemy as well, too, because yep. there's a lot of times you really can't take interviews until the season's over or a lot of times your team won't even grant the permission to get interviews done um, until the season's over. So, like you said, now we get to see, um, obviously, you know, a couple minority head coaches or, or coaching candidates, Eric the obviously Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, oh, Leslie yeah. Frazier. Uh, Obviously, Brian Flores, uh, Raheem Morris, who's the defense coordinator for the Rams, who I think is going to get some consideration, um, especially since he was the interim head coach last year with the Falcons. So he has a little bit of experience as well. Um, So there are a lot of quality candidates out there, man. And like you said, give them their fair fair shape. Give them a fair chance. Bring them in. See what they're about. If they fit what you're trying to build, hire them Don't don't hesitate to hire somebody. Just because you know they're a little darker than you might want your head coach to be. I, I just, to me, it's silly. But we also understand the world that some of these owners operate in.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, man. Let's let's get into some uh, NBA news. Uh, my guy Lebron, he's out. Knee, knee, knee swelling and whatnot. I, I, I'm not shocked by this because I, I kind of saw this coming. You know, and I'm hoping it's just one of those LeVon, uh, Lebron well-needed vacations, the, the midseason vacations, just because, you know, LeBron has been going in the last couple of weeks. Since, he, since he's really, since he's came back from injury, you know, LeBron is well, outside of KD, but LeBron is leading the league in sco- scoring uh right now. I'm sure by the time KD comes back, he, he won't qualify anymore, but LeBron will take the number one spot. But LeBron is really doing it all right now, so, you know, and this is without Anthony Davis, and it just takes a toll on you, especially when you're not winning. It really takes a toll on him. So you know, this is the third game he's, he's missing. They saying he's not going to be back until that swelling goes down in his knee. Um, hopefully that doesn't take too long because we we've actually, even though the Lakers have been losing, we've actually been seeing uh, the, the the top five player that we thought Anthony Davis. You know what's gonna be since he came back. He had a 33-point game, he had 25 the other night. So he's actually looking looking all right. If they could just get everybody healthy at one time, they might be able to do some things. Who knows?
1: And that's the thing. Um, There's another topic we we talked about, uh, not on the past live, but on the previous one, the one before that, where you know the wear and tear on Braun's body is is gonna catch up to him at some point, unfortunately, and it's happening now. He, he's I, to me he's shouldering too much of the load already, and these this is why you're starting to see these type of injuries. Um, you need AD to be a star, but you need him to stay healthy as well. So he's another guy that has got to show you that he can not only put up this type of production, but do it over the long haul. It can't just be 15 games of this and then, hey, I, you know, I tweak something. I'm out two, three games. So yeah. that's ultimately going to be the biggest hurdle for the Lakers. Can they figure this thing out where everyone can stay healthy and play to their peak performance? They haven't been able to do it. Um and, and it's gonna get trickier as the season goes on for the man, but I definitely want to see Braun back on the court because I think he is having a historic season uh for his age in his 19th season to be doing what he's doing. But we also know the downside of that, and that's you know, the body isn't gonna hold up forever putting that type of pressure on the body.
0: Exactly. Can we um can we send some kudos to one of my favorite coaches, Monty Williams? He's gonna be coaching the uh the all-star all-star team. Uh, he's gonna be, mm-hmm. I believe, coaching Team LeBron this year. She be coaching yeah. Team LeBron this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but shout out to Monty Williams. You know, one of my favorite head coaches, and he's one of my favorite coaches, not because of of what he's actually doing right now, which is an amazing job uh, with the, with the Suns, but he's one of my favorite coaches because I sat and and I watched uh, NBA TV back when he was with the Hornets, and the fact that he was talking to a group of, for the most part, because most of the team was 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 black, but a group of young black men and just talking to them about, you know, being financially responsible, being mindful of these big entourages, you know, just basically giving them life lessons as opposed to just saying, you know, my job is to coach basketball, not to worry about what you're doing off the court, or at least not while you're playing, but you know, not to worry about how you plan it for your future and what you're gonna do after the game of basketball. But I, I just, I gained so much respect for Monty Williams after watching him speak to these young black men, and it, it, it meant, it meant a lot to me. And I'm not even on the team. But you know, because we don't have, you know, our elder statesmen, you know, all the time talking to these young brothers, you know, and and, and young sisters as well. You know, on that level. Hold on, one second. You know, we in the Bronx still. But um, but yeah, you know, because you know, we need that more. Often. We we need you know, as as we get older, and, and you know, we we might do that as you know as individuals, but we just, we need more people to to talk to these young brothers and sisters, and you know, to get them prepared for life and and, and their future, and to, to to speak to them about removing themselves from the nonsense that can consume you outside of you. So I just wanted to shout out Monty Williams. Since then, he's been one of my favorite coaches.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Monty Williams is, is so well-respected around the league. Uh, that's the reason why Chris Paul pushed to go to Phoenix last year. Him and Monty have a previous relationship. Uh, Monty Williams is, is truly a, a classy, classy individual, man, because I remember uh, when he was back in New Orleans and he had tragically lost his wife in a car accident. And the way he handled that situation, you know, despite everything that he was dealing with, he handled it. uh, You know, like, I I don't know how, I I don't think I could have handled it as well as he did. But to hear the things people were saying about him and, and just who he was as a man, the story you're talking about now. And, you know, he is responsible for turning Phoenix around. Everyone will always pinpoint, you know, Chris Paul went there and changed. But you remember this trip when they went eight and on the bubble and they had just missed out on the playoff spot. He yeah. sat there when he addressed the team afterwards and he told him, he said, hold your head up high because even though we didn't make the playoffs, we've now we've solidified. We've set the foundation for what we expect moving forward. And I think that was a big reason why Chris Paul wanted to go to Phoenix. He saw what Monty was building there with those young guys with Booker and Aiton Chris Paul came in as the as the veteran piece they needed and the success that they are achieving right now is all well deserved for Monty Williams they they had you know went to the finals last year number uh, number one overall seed or number two seed last year this year battling for the number one overall seed and obviously he's coaching the all-star game man so kudos to Monty Williams it is well deserved
0: absolutely Uh, a couple of couple of injuries uh, Nets injury is starting to pile up. Uh, James Harden is still out. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. Uh, but LaMarcus Aldridge also went down with it with a little ankle, uh, situation. And, um, and then, uh, Gilgis-Alexandria, Alexander, he also had an ankle injury. He's going to be out through the All-Star uh, been really all star break. Shay was playing
1: really well for Oklahoma City, too.
0: Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like, especially, I, I mean, I didn't see anybody get injured, but especially the, the young cats because, you know, that kind of stunts the development of, 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 you know, of uh, of the player, when when you get hurt that young and you got to miss significant chunks of time. So we've seen that with so many players, you know, throughout the years. Um, and then, uh, uh Joe angles, uh, such a tragedy, uh, Utah guard forward, Joe angles is going to be out for the season really sucks for Utah. Um, not that I had them, you know, going deep into the playoffs, but during the regular season, they are one of the top teams. They have been for the, for the past two years. Um, and you know he kind of pick right back up where they left off this season but he is a big uh, part of that and he will not be there to help out during the season um now what, my question for you Eric is because this could have sort of a kind of chain effect with him not being there you know team team might start might start you know slacking or you know losing and whatnot now I've been hearing you know around the campfire, that Donovan Mitchell ain't too happy in Utah right now. So do you think that this could be the lead in to Donovan Mitchell making his exit from Utah? I think if they have another
1: early exit from the playoffs, I think Um, the, the rumblings about Donovan Mitchell, we've been hearing it for a while. It goes back to the early days of COVID. You know, he was really frustrated with Rudy Gobert and how Rudy handled that situation. And then they got him in the same room. They passed it up. Um, Then Utah, remember the the ownership, new ownership came in with Dwayne Wade and Wade tried to, like, try to, you know, build on that relationship he already had with him. And they got uh, Donovan to sign his extension. But that doesn't mean all was well. I think Donovan was still kind of looking at the the franchise, like, what are we going to do? So, to me, Donovan Mitchell is, is, is one of the top players in the game, one of the true stars of the game. Unfortunately, he plays in Utah, so enough people don't know about him. But when you look at his bubble performance, right, when, um, when uh, he went toe-to-toe with Jamal Murray, when you look at his playoff performance last year, He's doing everything he can to try to carry this organization deep into the playoffs. And if they don't make a deep playoff run, I could see him saying, I want out of here. Uh, Joe Ingles is going to be missed. He's a big part of their rotation. He's an additional ball handler. He's a guy that gives them versatility in the lineups because Ingles can play some guards, can play some forward. So it, it's going to be tough. And it just seems like Utah Keys have any situations. Remember, a couple years ago, Mike Conley was out. Uh, last year, they were missing Bogdanovich in the playoffs. So they just keep, they, they can't seem to be uh, a complete unit going into the playoffs they obviously we're not close enough to the playoffs but they're already missing angles
0: one more injury could really derail this for them and you know one other thing about, about Utah is they haven't been able to to hold on to their superstars because remember if you know not since Carl Darren Williams left Gordon Haywood left and you know and Gordon, when Gordon Haywood left that was when he was at his peak when he left, we haven't even seen that Gordon Hayward yet because of the injuries. Um, and, she, and if you want to go way back, you know, even Malone left at the end. <laughs> got him out.
1: <laughs> yeah. But no, you're right. It, there's been a, a, a there's been a shift. And um, we know it's been well publicized, the, the fans and the way they conduct themselves there. I'm sure that plays a factor in it as well. But you're right. Yeah. Guys like Gordon Hayward, Darren Williams, who were drafted there, they didn't want to stick around there long. They wanted to get up out of there. And Donovan Mitchell, it looks like it could be trending that way. You know, maybe he wants to come home. You know, there's a particular team that would love to have him in his hometown. <laughs> you know, and he's a Mets fan, so I love Donovan Mitchell
0: for that too. Oh Lord! <laughs> Look, before we get uh, um, you know out of basketball for the for the day, uh, lastly Ben Simmons still out there looming. Um, and, and it seems like the Sixers are still trying to get the moon, the stars, the sun, and Jesus all in one in the deal. for Ben Simmons and the teams around the league are not having it. Um, we still got about uh, February 10th is the, is the deadline, so we still got uh, about I two, weeks. About two
1: weeks, not two weeks.
0: Well. Cause tomorrow's the first, right? So, tomorrow's yeah, so the first,
1: yeah. So, we really yeah. only got
0: two, 10 days.
1: Yeah, yeah. By so a we got, all right. week and we got a half.
0: Days. Um, When the trade line comes and goes, is Ben Simmons still a, a, a member of the Philadelphia 76th organization?
1: So as of right now, we're recording this on uh, January 31st. I'm going to say yes. Um, we already saw the Sacramento Kings kind of bow, bow out. They said the price tag is too high. I don't really see the fit or the trade for Ben Simmons that makes sense because Daryl Morey is hell-bent on getting a piece that can help this team win a championship. And I don't see a team giving up anything vital for uh, Ben Simmons because he hasn't played at all this year. And there is no telling if the quote-unquote mental issues that are stopping him from playing from Philly are going to suddenly become better when you trade for him. Um, So I don't think this, this... I don't think there's any move to be made right now. And honestly, Daryl More- Morey and the, the Sixers have all the leverage. Yeah. Simmons is still signed for, for four years. You can let this play out into the next offseason and then revisit the conversations then. You don't have to force a move right now. So, And I don't think they will. Now, I will say
0: this. I do feel like a move is needed for Philly if they're going to get over the hump just because, you know, as... As bad as Ben Simmons looked in the playoffs, Philly was first place last season. They finished the season in first place. Right now, I believe they're in sixth place. And with the team as is now, shout out to Joel Embiid, who is playing again like an MVP. It's not enough. They're not going to beat Milwaukee they're not gonna beat Brooklyn if those two teams are healthy. They're not getting past those two teams, and I mean the the, the, the Hawks are, are out of the mix right now. But y'all struggled with the Hawks last year. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long way to the top. So you know I don't. If you want to wait, I guess you can wait to the end of the season. But at, you know at the same time, you know guys are getting older every year. And other teams are gonna be making moves, so it's like you don't. The, the window of opportunity, you know, that sometimes that thing closes real fast.
1: No, it so does. The, the The issue that the Sixers have in this, and I think the, something that a lot of people keep forgetting is to make the Ben trade, you've got to take on that type of salary coming back. Yes. And if and if it isn't the right fit, now you might you may have put yourself in a worse predicament now, right? Yeah, and then then you're stuck because now it's like, all right, now this is the team that has to be a title contender and we're nowhere closer than when Ben was here so that's there there are too many moving parts for this to be a simple trade um that's why I've always said that Ben kind of went about it the wrong way and and I understand his point of view and being upset with the team but if you really want out you go play and you just ball out and then still force their hand you know Harden wanted out of Houston Harden kept playing you know, you you ball out, and that way, the, the team that wants to trade for you has to go off of the value that you're showing on the court. Right now, sitting at home, you ain't played a game yet this year. Am I getting a Ben Simmons that's even in shape? You know, am I getting a Ben Simmons that really wants to play, or is this a guy who just didn't want to play in Philadelphia?
0: Getting Ben Simmons with a cell phone in his
1: pocket. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's the thing. Like, if you can handle that criticism there... Or how are you going to handle the criticism here? Like, do our coaches have to handle you with kid gloves? Or are they going to be able to critique you when the time comes? So, you know, yeah. Rich Paul, I think, needs to get in Ben Simmons' ear and say, look, the best thing to do is to go play, ball out, boost yeah. your value that way. And I'll talk to the teams behind the scenes to let them know that
0: you're serious. But you sitting at home doesn't show that you're serious. At least once the trade deadline passes, if they don't move you by the trade deadline, then you need to get up and <laughs> go play ball. Because at the end of the day, they're gonna still ask for a phenomenal uh, return for you. So at least make it worth it. At least make at least, at least let the teams know that you are worth it. And, and then maybe come off season, they'll be willing to, to, to move some things around, so they can fit you into that situation and send a couple of you know nice pieces over to Philly that'll keep them happy. Absolutely. And I got a question for you because I
1: haven't heard anybody answer this. Right, Ben Simmons right now is not being paid all that money is going into an escrow account right mm. if a team trades for Ben Simmons and, and we should put this out there on Twitter somebody gotta know the answer to this if the if a, let's say hypothetically uh, I'm just throwing out a random team so don't hold me to this I'm not saying I know of any trade but let's say the Chicago Bulls traded for Ben Simmons are the Chicago Bulls responsible for that money that's been going into escrow or is the 76ers
0: well, I'm not sure because he didn't play those games. So, to, um, that's see, what that's point my. We get, I don't, is anybody so responsible
1: for that? That's what I'm. That's what I want to know because the Sixers tried to appease Ben and, like, as as a sign of good faith, instead of fining him, they're just not paying him, and that money's going into escrow. Yeah. But if he doesn't play for the Sixers at all, are the Sixers responsible for paying him that money? Yeah, that's that one. I'm we not sure. To, yeah, we, we might have to throw that because because. Listen, there's a lot of money sitting in the account right now that, for whatever reason, Ben Simmons, I guess, he don't want it. Yeah. Now, if they want to send it over to Real Fans, Real Talk, the Sanchez Show, they can send it over. I, I'll suit up right now for Philly if they want. Right? I'll I'll suit up right now. I got a couple corner threes left in me. I, I'll suit up right now.
0: <laughs> I'm with it. I'm, I'm with you on that, my brother. Uh, really quick, tennis. My guy Rafael Nadal won the Australian Open. And he is now uh, the all-time, uh, or he broke the grand slam record, I should say. Um, is Nadal the GOAT? Uh, the male GOAT? Yeah, no, yeah I was
1: gonna like, say uh, on the male side. Yeah, I mean he's got the, the record. Men's. He's got the yeah. record, so I'll, I'll say short answer: yes, he, he's the GOAT.
0: Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you um, because of one, because of that, and it's not like. He just broke the, you know, he got the record, and then now he's about to step away. The doll still got years left in yes. This. So, you know, the the amount of, of wins he's going to be able to accumulate, the amount of grand championships, you know, grand slams, that he can actually still compete in and still win. You know what I mean? So I'm going to say yes. You know, I know uh, uh, Djokovic might have something to say about that, especially since uh, the, the vaccine mandates or the reason he wasn't able to defend his Australian Open title. And who knows, maybe if he plays, you know, this thing ends differently. But we don't know that. What we do know is, my man Rafael Nadal went to Australia, put in work, and he was down two sets um, and came back. You know what I mean? So, and won that Australian Open. So congratulations to Nadal. Uh, A little bit of baseball news, Hall of Fame. Congratulations to David Ortiz for making the Hall of Fame. Because um, I don't want to take away from his moment, because he had a uh, you know an amazing career. Even though it was on the other side, he still had an amazing career. So congratulations to him. But I'm still upset. I know you're still upset. Uh, Barry Bonds is not in the in the Hall of Fame, and now he can no longer be voted in the regular way. Same thing with Roger Clemens. They are officially off the ballot. So. Do we we see Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens ultimately get in now that they don't have to be voted in? And and this way is a little bit easier for them to get in, one. And two, if you're Barry Bonds, if you're Roger Clemens, is it it worth it? Is it the same thing? Do you care?
1: Uh, So to the first point, yes, they will, I I think, at some point be uh, inducted in uh do they care i think they do um these were two guys who competed and performed at the highest level that the game had ever seen um fiery competitors so of course i'm sure it hurts that they were not uh voted in i think it's it's a sham by the baseball writers association um Again, you know, they pick and choose when it's time to be holier than thou and when we want to turn a blind eye. I mean, let's not forget that the writers were the same ones hyping up guys like McGuire and Sosa during the home run chase when Mark McGuire was doing interviews with supplements in his locker, right? And it wasn't a banned substance at that time, so everyone turned a blind eye to it. And yet somehow when it became a banned substance, We still want to hold it against guys who may or may not have used it when it wasn't a bad substance. Uh, Just so we're clear, so people know, like you said, kudos to David Ortiz. David Ortiz is one of the most clutch hitters in baseball history. The resume speaks for itself. What he did for the city of Boston and for that organization is second to none, right? We talked for years about the curse. David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez changed the curse, And, and they won multiple championships there, so... This is not to knock him, but David Ortiz is a guy that people speculated on using steroids. Yvonne Rodriguez, who's another guy in the Hall of Fame, is a guy who they speculated on using steroids. Mike Piazza from My Beloved Mets is a guy who they speculated on using steroids. I just gave you, oh, Jeff Bagwell, first baseman for the Astros, another guy speculated. I've just given you four guys who in the last 15 years were all voted into the Hall of Fame who speculated on using steroids. Barry Bonds never tested positive. Barry Bonds, if if you if we want to say, oh, he did use steroids, if that's the argument people want to sit on, all right, then point to the, the point in his career where you thought he started using steroids, and then look at the resume before that and tell me he wasn't already a Hall of Famer. So
0: first,
1: first ballot Hall of Famer, again, a guy who 30-30 seasons, people who don't know what that is, that's 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, he did that five times. He also had a season where he did forty home runs and forty stolen bases in nineteen ninety six when he was in San Francisco. So, the the numbers speak for itself. Seven time NL MVP, batting champ, home run leader, single season home run, whatever number you want to use to, to say a guy's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. And MVP if we... before there was a suspected he had, steroid when he was still a when he was still a skinny left fielder. Yes. he already had the four. So. Whatever number you want to use. And my last point being, if we want to say those guys were on steroids, well, they were pitchers on steroids, too. That's why they apparently don't want to let Roger Clemens in, right? So let's not pretend that it was only one or two guys. There were a bunch of guys who were speculated to have used. There were a bunch of guys who tested positive. There were a bunch of guys who later on admitted it was the steroid error. We found that out. Because Major League Baseball coming out of the strike in 96, they wanted that. They wanted the balls to fly out the ballpark. They wanted the guys to be bigger, stronger, faster. They wanted all those things. So you put that on the plaque and you say, from this time to this time, we consider it the steroid era, but that does not diminish what these guys did for the game. You can't tell the story in the history of Major League Baseball without including Barry Bonds. point blank period. You just can't do it. And now Major League Baseball, to me, the disappointing part is now, not only do we not have the home run king in in the Hall of Fame, we still have yet to have the all-time hits king, Pete Rose, in the Hall of Fame. Oh, by the way, Major League Baseball supports gambling now. So a, a, a guy who has not been allowed in to the Hall of Fame because of gambling now watches the game support gambling and support FanDuel and all these other sites, but you still won't put him in the game. It's a, it's a sham, and it's a shame for Major League Baseball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you said it perfectly, bro. I don't even have to go on any further. You said it. <coughs> Excuse me. Shout-out to Barry. Shout-out to Roger Clemens. I hope they do do, do get in, you know, eventually. But until then, we're going to have to wait and see. But again, congrats to Ortiz. And congrats to the young boy, Shoha Otani. He is the first Asian athlete to grace the cover of a a United States video game. He will be on the cover of this year's The Show. And he is most deserving of that cover. So big shout out to him.
1: Major, major shout out. As you said, when you think about some of the Asian athletes that have had big impacts, You know, you're talking about guys like Ichiro, guys like Yao Ming, and he's the first to be on the cover of any sporting game. So kudos I'm to I'm surprised.
0: Man. I'm surprised y'all me ain't get a cover.
1: Yeah, yeah. All
0: right, they probably figured we get them all them damn all-star starts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we just gonna give them all the all-star votes. So we don't yeah, gotta get the cover. Exactly.
0: But um listen, man, we, we do we gotta get up out of here. We've been on, 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 on overtime for the past couple of months, every every week. So we gotta get up out of here. But before we do that, let me shout out the sponsors. Big shout out to P Home Services, to Kmart, to the risotto firm, and of course Soundview Liquors. And uh, make sure you guys are following us on all our social media, Twitter, Instagram, at RealFanTalk. Facebook.com forward slash real fans, real talk. And of course, subscribe to that YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash, uh, for the fans productions. And don't worry if you're not in New York city, Thursday nights from eight to 9 PM, you can still watch from anywhere in the world. All you got to do is go to the website, real Click that red button on the homepage and watch myself in the legend, uh, for, from anywhere you want to in the world. Oh, and while you're out there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We got the Sanchez Show podcast. We got the Real Fans Real Talk podcast. Bob Grown and Sexy Crowd. We got the shooty shit with our brother Sean Fontaine. And we are on all major streaming platforms. Uh, with that being said Eric man get us out of here with a final thought man
1: man listen continue to support all the podcasts we greatly appreciate it Uh, the lives as well as we as as Tripp mentioned make sure you follow us across all social media platforms we're gonna keep going live on Friday nights we've been getting great responses and we really appreciate everyone tuning in sending in questions subscribe to the podcast man and um, man listen just, just keep tuning in we love it man we love entertaining you guys but more importantly we love the support you guys give us
0: facts listen man I couldn't have said that no better. So for myself, Tripp Young, my brother, Legend in Two Games, Eric Sanchez, we up out of here. Peace. Peace.